Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Ephesians 5.15 Sounds like an admonition for today, doesn't it? Paul's warning the new Christians not to be lured back into their old lives. It's quite like how I feel coming back to America after a year. I'm living in the same world I left, but I have a choice not to be of the world I left, at least not all of it. My blue-eyed cowboy and I have made a run for it out of our rut. And the last thing we want to do is climb back in it again. We're seeking the help of the Holy Spirit because we're consciously choosing the road less travelled. Not that there was anything wrong with the way we were living, it's just that we felt we had to get away from all that was familiar to be able to grow and let our children grow. Now that we're back, I want to continue to grow and let our children continue to grow with us and without us. I want to be an inspiration for them. Someone they can look back on and say... Mum and Dad did what they said they were going to do, whatever that may be, our own business, a ministry of some sort, publishing our own books, speaking at conferences about our homeschool parenting days. My parents drew into themselves as they got older. They wanted to be alone. They pushed people away, didn't look encouraging. On the contrary, my aunts and uncles seemed to go from strength to strength as they did things they'd never done before, like travel the world. Take art classes, learn a new instrument, join a choir. They even volunteered with age concern, helping others less fortunate than themselves. They looked and acted years younger than they were. They were inspiring. We're not going to climb back into our comfortable rut. I'm going to accept the Holy Spirit and walk as a wise person and make the most of every minute I have because the days are evil and I could fall into a trap of lethargy. My children wouldn't expect me to and I'm not going to let them down. How about you? Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNinney. My guest this week is Dr. Glenda Jackson, a researcher from Victoria, Australia. We'll be talking about homeschool student student transitions into and out of school from the perspective of parents, educators and students. I'll also be nattering away about our son's move out, our short stay in Corpus, facts you don't really need to know about the USS Lexington, walking in Lindale and a welcome call front in August. So join me with your iced water and some fruit or whatever tickles your palate for lemons is this morning and let's begin our hour together. We've been back a month and people keep asking us if we're glad to be home and the answer is yes and no. The longer I'm in my house and dragging it kicking and screaming up to my standards the more I begin to recognize why I've lived here so long. I love it. And the longer I'm in my house and having to do hard work every day to reclaim it, whether I want to or not, the more I miss the peace of our little flat in London, which was clean and tidy and stayed that way forever, so that I could get on with my life. When I walked into my house for the first time in 13 months, naively expecting it to look the same way it had when I left, my senses shut off and I went into automatic pilot. Honestly, I hardly remember much of those first weeks. All the kitchen surfaces were laden with dishes for easy access and mail, which no one opened. Really? Who gets mail these days? 
Even opting for paperless, which I thought I'd done, the amount of mail that had accumulated over the year was impressive and covered several surfaces to commanding heights. In the middle distance, the dining and living room furniture littered with the flotsam and jetsam of daily living had been moved to unaccountable places. I was transported to the days when my children artlessly rearranged their rooms. Remember, I'm a furniture mover. Beds dead centre for easy making and access were all the rage and lasted, oh, ten minutes until I moved them over to hug a wall. Later, I asked our eldest, what made you move the furniture around like this? I was striving to make some sense out of the nonsensical. He had no answer. I was yet to learn of the avalanche of tiles that are cascaded from the fireplace surround, which was now cunningly obscured by the unsightly positioning of the sofa. Yes, right across the fireplace. In the distance, through the window, I could see a massive barbecue grill and smoker on a deck, butted against one of the lounge windows, blackened, rugged eyesores that obscured what I was to find when I ventured outside, but that came later. I made the sign of the cross and, thanked God, my zookeeper son hadn't been granted his falconry licence. As my barista daughter said, who was returning from a year to end all years into the waiting arms of her beloved, let's be honest, Mum, they would never have been able to clean the house to your standards. Ah, I thought, I trained them well enough to be able to replace everything where it belonged. It may have taken some time, but obviously going by our younger son's misjudgment of our ETA, time started running out 13 months ago. Three weeks later and they have moved out. Yes, that was last weekend. I helped my zookeeper some forage around the house to add to the meagre possessions he was leaving home with. Take this, his carvings in wax, and this, his metal crocodile doorstep. Oh, and don't forget this, his beer-making paraphernalia. He sadly looked at me as I loaded his arms. You're moving into your own place now. You may never come back, I said, in what I hoped was an encouraging tone. I know, he said. It's sad. Well, your brother came back twice, so no worries, he half smiled. He'll be fine. Ever since we returned and crashed the man cave, he's been wanting to do this. Yesterday, my filmmaker son came over for his dishes, leaving my cupboard almost bare, and to finish cleaning out his room. Oh, and to do laundry. Well, Mum, he asked as he walked unbidden into my office, and I pulled away from my desk to give him the undivided attention he's grown to love and expect. Are you and Dad sad to see us go, or are you, yes, party in the house now? I took a deep breath, not wanting to hurt his feelings. It's time, I smiled and nodded. I'm glad you're moving out. It's the right thing. Why? How do you think we'd feel? Oh, I don't know, he said, sad that your little boys are moving out and the family home's getting closer to being empty. This afternoon, he came over to get the last of his stuff from cupboards. I helped to pass him things that didn't belong to me. Well, won't you and Dad use those? The Clorex wipes. What will you drink out of? The frozen Guinness glasses. I don't want to leave you without the freshly cleaned microwave. Are you sure? The rummaged bags of frozen food they bought. He sorted himself out some incense to take and I sent him off with his towels, iron and pasta maker. He was procrastinating. My stomach was sinking. I kept myself up with thoughts of the future. A clean house for days and days. The last time we were at home with only one child, my filmmaker son was a baby. Last week, I admitted I may not have drawn up a budget to solve the mystery of how, when our two incomes were reduced to one, it was going to be shared with four children, but I did consider my image, and I hadn't even thought of homeschooling yet. 
spending more time with my children when they were at home was my vague priority at this moment. How was I going to be perceived by my family and friends as I traded my designer clothes for shorts and t-shirts and my Louis Vuittons for bare feet? Three things happened to help me along this new path I was venturing. Thing one, my hasty exit from corporate America, continued. While Hobbs and I soul-searched about what we were going to do when we finally grew up, we eventually dismissed our babysitter and our youngest at eight months old was the first to stay home with us. My husband was vigorously job hunting now that I tossed my steady income to the wind and he generously ceded the nurturing strings to me. What was I to do with my baby all day? No intelligent conversations, no to-do lists for her to complete. She was utterly dependent on me and I didn't have an owner's manual. After eight years of being a hands-off mum, instinct took over and I found that if I employed her at a very basic level we could do laundry together by tossing her the odd sock to wave while she sat in her high chair and knickers to wear on her head. She could teethe on building blocks at my feet while I vacuumed. She could run to the store with me safely strapped in her car seat when I needed milk, drool over the dog while I groomed him and nap at regular intervals during the day so that I could get down to some serious at-home stuff like reading my book or sunbathing. She was the perfect companion until it came to driving long distances, which we both did when we travelled to the Montessori private school clear across town four times a day where her three-year-old sister was enrolled. Remember, I was slower than molasses when it came to severing ties with old habits. The school had been convenient to my office and, well, what if I got a job? Eventually, the howling from the back seat wore me down and I affected a transfer for my toddler to a Montessori school closer to home. Notice we didn't give up the private school, we just moved it to a closer location and dumped more of our savings into the coffers of her exclusive preschool. Hubs and I still hadn't found ourselves. We finally saw the light when I had to make the choice between paying for a doctor's visit or school fees. Thus began my no-looking-back adventure. I felt like Lot's wife and sure as heck didn't want to end my days as a pillar of salt. After six months, I went from corporate executive in my Louis Vuittons to stay-at-home mum in my bare feet. God was on a winning streak. I was now officially a housewife. I didn't like the title. Sounded like a trap to me, where I ran the risk of losing my identity forever. Being my hub's wife was one thing, but wife to bricks and mortar smacked a possession to me. All at once I had time on my hands. The corporate executive in me began looking for an activity to keep the three walking members of my entourage occupied during the afternoon after school hours. We discovered gymnastics. My high-heeled alter ego reminded her barefooted counterpart that unless one's child is playing ball or on the swim team or participating in some sport by the time he or she hits elementary school age, then you can toss the perfect parent award out the window. In an effort to retrieve my award, I enrolled three of my four children in gymnastics. Here endeth thing one. Thing two. A well-heeled stranger caught my eye. This was not nearly as dramatic a thing as thing one, but it was every bit as deadly. I was using my hours wisely at the gym, enjoying my hands-off time while someone else was responsible for my children's welfare. I dozed with my eyes open while watching the ever-increasingly mobile baby. One afternoon we were waiting for classes to end when a well-heeled stranger caught my eye. 
She looked as though she'd stepped off the pages of a Neiman Marcus catalogue and was flanked by her two grown children. Well, they looked grown compared to my under seven brigade. Equally well groomed with not a diaper bag in sight. Her daughter had a flawless ballet bun and her son held the door open for both of them. How polite, I thought, as I adjusted the drawl rag draped over my shoulder and glanced down at the floor to check on my one-year-old. My eyes locked onto my feet and I noticed I was wearing odd shoes. Don't you just hate that? Mind you, they were both tennis shoes and white, but they were odd nonetheless. I self-consciously covered one foot with the other in an attempt to hide my wardrobe faux pas when I heard a loud crunch and looked over in the direction of the noise to find a Pierre Cardin pump firmly entrenched in a pile of Cheerios that my daughter had been carefully stacking before consuming. Someone had stepped onto my daughter's construction site and into my life, altering it forever. Ignorant for the moment of the life-altering portion of what had just happened, I scooped up the cereal crumbs and hurried my children out to our waiting van, vowing to lose the draw rag and wear matching shoes the next time I went out in public. And it's time for me to go on a break now. Don't stray far from the computer. I'll be back with my guest in just a moment. How do you handle toddlers, teens and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. My guest this week is Glenda Jackson, an educational consultant with Australian Home Education Advisory Service, AHEAS, a group that promotes and encourages the development of homeschool networks. Glenda Jackson home-educated her four children and completed a PhD at Monash University where her research project explored the homeschooling experiences of students when they moved between home and school and the effect it also had on their parents and educators. Dr. Jackson has been involved in teacher education programs where she reviews current educational theories and assesses teacher practices. Her well-rounded educational experiences, both in the home and institutional classroom, has provided a rich and informed basis for her consultancy services. Glenda, welcome to my show this morning. Hi. Well, Glenda, um, tell us a little bit about how you became involved in the homeschooling movement there in Australia. When my 
oldest was four and a half. We put him in a state kindergarten program Mm -hmm. part-time. And at the end of that year, his teacher said to me, he's at when he was five and a half, he's not ready for school and we don't have the funding to continue him here at our kindergarten. Mm -hmm. So that meant that I didn't have very many alternatives. We knew, we agreed with her assessment and we were, at that time, Raymond Moore came out and was promoting home education somewhere in Melbourne Mm -hmm. and I was about to have our fourth baby. Mm -hmm. So my husband went along and heard him and came home and said, we're homeschooling. So he went to work and I homeschooled. Right. So can you tell us a little bit, um, who's Raymond Moore? Dr. Raymond Moore from the United States has promoted um, education better late than early and many home educated families would know of his work. Okay. I actually have, now that you said that, I have interviewed a couple of people who have used the curriculum at better late than what? Early. Than early, yeah, yeah. All right, so that that was an interesting experience, um, you know, being told that the, we, we can offer you nothing for your child. They couldn't, could your child not even have done kindergarten again? Uh, they rang me back after we'd made the decision to try home education and say, we think we can fit him in Mm -hmm. but at that point we were convinced that homeschooling was a better option so we took him and the other four through primary school Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he went to secondary school which is year seven Mm -hmm. full-time till year 10 then when he asked to come home and do part-time schooling Mm -hmm. my other three went part-time to secondary Mm-hmm. And have all, all have managed to score entry into Australian universities. Oh, right. Okay. And so you've had the experience of um, homeschooling your children and having them in, what do you call your schools? We call them public schools here in America. What do you call them? Uh, we're moving from calling them secondary schools to secondary colleges. Oh, okay. And that goes from, you said, year seven. So what would from they be? Year 12. So they'd be 13 or 14 going into these schools? Yes. So they, they're calling them now secondary colleges. Okay. And um, all right, so you've, so you've had children in the school. So how, how does a secondary school um, compare? I mean, is the education good? How does it compare around Australia? I mean, do you have some parts where the secondary education is better than other parts or is it pretty much, you know, sort of um, even? Uh, The government has done some testing on the ability of children in different states and they are very concerned that some of the children in perhaps the Northern Territory in some areas of Western Australia, for example, are not up to standard and they have introduced a cross-Australia-wide testing called NAPLAN. And it's it's endeavouring to ensure that every child at particular ages is of the same sort of academic ability mm-hmm. because it hasn't been that way. And, and at what age do they administer this test? Year three, five, seven and nine. Oh, I see. Huh. All right, so similar probably to our, um, we have SATs and tax tests here that, that do the same kind of thing. Um, 
Yes. Yeah, so what happens if, if the school district isn't? Do they Is funding cut or are teachers put in to help them out or what happens? Uh, there's a lot of debate about how that is administered. Mm-hmm. There is a My School site which compares every school across Australia with their outcomes mm-hmm. and there are varying discussions about the validity of that whole practice. Mm-hmm. But, yes, there are outcomes for schools and for funding mm-hmm. from those tests. Yeah. And I was I always think that that's such a negative approach that if the tests are poor, if the schools are poor, then they take the money away. So that what's that going to do? It's going to make the schools even worse. <laughs> or it will encourage parents to shift their children to other schools where the results are higher. And then that school closes closes down. I mean, it's not advantageous at all for the school, is it? No. No, not at all. And so are you finding that the homeschool movement there is growing? Does it grow um, every year? Um, That's an interesting question because a lot of homeschoolers are hidden. So we really don't know Mm -hmm. the um, numbers of home educators in Australia. The Victorian government where I'm based, has recently, in 2007, introduced a requirement that home educators be registered with them, and that's the only requirement they have of them, or and a statutory declaration that they will cover the eight key learning areas. Um, we really don't know. Their numbers are increasing on their calculations, but we estimate that there are probably many more who haven't yet registered. So we really don't know. No, I think... that they are increasing, but we can't be very sure. No, it's the same in England. It's just a random guess as to how many homeschooling families there are because you do not have to register with the government, especially if you have never put your child in school. So there's no way that the government's even going to know. I mean, a red flag will go up if your child has already been in school and you pull them out because they've already got your child on the system. But apart from that, there really isn't any good count in England. And I think similar to America, because, you know, they they still don't, it's it's not regulated here. No. At the end of last year, one of the Australian Broadcasting Commission um, researchers contacted me and he was trying to work out numbers. He actually went to the Bureau of Statistics to try and work out how many children have been born in Australia and estimate how many and then compare those figures with how many were actually registered in school and his estimate was between 40 and 50,000. It was a bit of a wild guess but it was probably the closest we've got. Yeah, yeah. And Australia is a huge continent and I think I've, I've heard from some of my other guests that I've had from Australia that a lot of times homeschoolers live in remote areas, so there probably aren't very many, you know, sort of face-to-face support systems for them. So um, how, as a homeschooler, do you deal with that? Uh, some homeschoolers, and this is where we're guessing, I suspect more than not, attempt to go it alone. Mm-hmm. Others, there are, there is a national network called Home Education Australia, HEA. Victoria has a very strong 
uh, group called HEN, Home Education Network, Victoria, and they try to connect with every group across the home education spectrum. But what I found when I was going out researching is that there would be one person who would connect with either of these organisations or either or both, and there could be up to 200 families relying on that information. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, they, would, they would all, I suppose, to be able to connect at those kinds of distances, they would probably need um, computers. Certainly the phone. Or the phone, and, and yeah. And the phone yeah. is not afraid of driving. The country people are not afraid of driving. Yeah. A yeah. hundred kilometers or more. Yeah, yeah, but you couldn't, you wouldn't really want to do that every single week. So you know, I mean, we have we have support groups here that meet weekly, and um, it, uh, it's just very, very easy here in America, especially in our cities. And I suppose it's easier in your cities in in Australia to do that. Yes, and and our home education population is not limited to the country it's very much across every spectrum mm -hmm. of the population mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, it, and it certainly is very evident there are you know many groups around the city here in Victoria in Melbourne and certainly in the other capital cities around Australia and so in Australia in the whole of Australia is homeschooling legal homeschooling is legal all the way around Australia. Each state and territory, we have six states and two territories. Uh, it is legal in each of those states, but how they interpret that legalness varies. Mm -hmm. Some states require very uh, quite strict supervision. Mm -hmm. In Here in Victoria, the because of ongoing and long-running disputes with the department, They've only recently established any kind of um, connection with home education. Mm -hmm. You find that around Australia we call home, home education various names. In West Australia it tends to be called home-based learning. Mm -hmm. In most states of Australia it's called homeschooling and certainly the governments uh, use that name. Here in Victoria there's a bit of an interesting history to why you will find it called home education rather than homeschooling. And that was that the legislation before 2006 stated that you could educate your children at school or otherwise. And so, but you couldn't call it a school because once it you were called a school, the government assumed it had authority over you. Okay. So we have that dynamic. We also have the dynamic of home educators in Victoria saying that we are educating our children, we are not schooling our children. So there's a bit of mm -hmm. um, discussion and uh, variation in how we define home education. Mm -hmm. That's interesting because um, the English law also says that children have to be educated either at school or otherwise, and that has been the loophole, and that's that's why... Homeschooling in England is is completely legal, and um, you know, so that's interesting how you've got that same. Our legal system does come from England, yeah, and yeah. So Victoria's long-standing legislation until two thousand and six was just a mirror of that that law. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I'm talking to Glenda Jackson, who um, is talking to me from 
Victoria, Australia, and we have to go on a short break now. And we'll be back in about 90 seconds. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Why do I feel so lousy? Why are my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. The author of the book, Help, My Body is Killing Me, Solving the Connections of Autoimmune Disease to Thyroid Problems, Fibromyalgia, Depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better, to make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live, Monday nights at 9, 10 Central, here on Tugginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. I'm back with Glenda Jackson in Australia. And Glenda, tell us about your research paper that you did on transitioning. Because I myself had moved in and out of school and correspondence schools because of the family moving around the way it did, I was very aware that students have opinions about moving between different educational institutions that are never acknowledged or um, catered to. And I also realised that I'd done a lot of thinking at that point of moving from one school system to another. So when I was doing... Uh, considering further study, I knew that there'd been very little information on how home-educated students actually viewed the home education process. Here in Australia, the research has focused very much on the family and particularly the mother's views of home education. And the end product of home education is the student And there was very little information on how students were actually responding and and considering their home education experiences. So I thought it was a very important study to find out what was happening when students moved between the two systems because I knew they would be doing a lot of reflective thinking and be comparing and contrasting and considering the benefits of both systems. Mm -hmm. And so so you did say that the students are going to be experiencing this this um, going from a, a school into the homeschool and then perhaps again back into a school. And so um, you had experienced that yourself with your own children and so you decided to write a paper on it. So what did you find? How were the children um, reacting to this? Uh, that was really interesting I was quite keen to find those students who considered homeschooling a negative experience and there were one or two who were quite vocal about that. When we sat down and actually analysed what it was that they hadn't liked about the program, 
and why they have their views, that unpacked a lot of issues that about the home, practice of home education and how it was working. And it turned out that they, were, they actually had very positive views of a lot of the things that happen in home education over their experiences in mainstream institutions. Mm-hmm. And the key finding that I had was that all of my 40 students appreciated Number one, their autonomy at home, which they recognised was the first thing they lost when they went to school. Mm -hmm. The second thing they really appreciated about home was that they learnt better at home generally than they did at school, except for some of the older students who were appreciative of specialist subject teachers once they went to school. They would have liked probably more access to that when they were at home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so does, you're talking about that. So does it, does, is the homeschool not allowed to participate um, at school, say, that use their science labs or join in on their sports teams? Do you have any of that overlap going on? Well, because we don't know the home education population, we really are up in the air about that. There were one or two schools who were allowing children to... Um, do school part-time as and in Victoria it is actually allowed we're not sure what is happening in the other states in Queensland for example there are schools who work with home educators through distance education in Victoria the government has allowed schools or given permissions to schools encourage them to interact with home educators okay. and we know that some, some of these state schools, some private schools, a few are actually interacting and encouraging students to come in for sport, mm-hmm. for days, sometimes subjects. Mm-hmm. So we know that that is happening. Yeah, yeah. I know it happens sometimes here, but um, not a lot. And apparently in Canada, it happens more in Canada because they, they seem to be very supportive of their homeschoolers and they'll send teachers into the homeschool um, classrooms um, if they need help and and they'll help them um, sort out a curriculum or choose books that they might need and so they they seem very supportive. So although homeschooling is legal and um, we can do it, there are just different levels at which we can operate um, around the world. So from that, we can go into this new um, company that that you are starting called the Australian Home Educating Advisory Services. What was the reason for you um, to start this service and how, how does it help homeschoolers in Australia? When I was approached by the Australian Broadcasting Commission at the end of last year to inquire about what I knew about home education, we discussed some of the problems and the fact that the government isn't actually providing some of the needs. There are many home educators who are educating their children. That was something certainly that came out in my study. They were educating children who had different ways of learning to what was accepted at school. They were gifted, learning disabled, Mm -hmm. those kind of issues. And the children were much happier mm-hmm. at, at home than they had been at school. Mm-hmm. And they felt that they were learning a lot better at home. Mm-hmm. But there are 
you know, there, it would be very good for if some of those mothers were struggling with some of the issues that they were facing. Mm-hmm. And because the government is more interested in uh, being aware of who the home educators are and regulating rather than seeing it as a positive thing that needs support, I decided on reflection of the 28 parents who were involved in my study and, and their comments and, and some of the tears that I'd listened to, mm-hmm. that there needed to be some more formal way of supporting those families. Mm-hmm. And so is, your, is this unique? Is, is there another group like your group? Uh, not that I'm aware of, no. Okay. And so I've, I've been on um, the site and you've got, you've got questions and um, one of the main things, of course, is, is burnout. I mean, what does a mum do who's burned out? And it's more, it's, it's very encouraging. It's, it's, it's almost, it's like a group, but it's an online group and you encourage other homeschoolers to meet online. Is that how you do that? Yes. Yeah. There are other networks who do that, and I would certainly be doing everything I can to encourage these parents to connect up with those other networks. It's just that, as you know, homeschooling families come from such a wide variety of philosophies that sometimes the networks they get into don't actually ma- match their own, and so they can feel a bit challenged by that. Yes. And fall fall out of the networks. In, in because of those differences mm-hmm. and I'm trying to set up a, a group where we can minimise some of those impacts so that parents don't feel so left out. Yeah, yeah. And um, I had, I, go ahead. I had a, a mother ring up yesterday totally burnt out, wondering which way to turn. Mm-hmm. I, I know these mothers exist. I've met them before and they really do need support. Whether they choose to put their children into school, they need help with the process of putting them in in the most effective way. Mm-hmm. What what we did find was that most of these home educated students transitioned back into the formal system quite easily, mm-hmm. except for when they've been in school in their early life and had social problems at school. Mm-hmm. They can come out, have grown, but they need some kind of assistance going back in. Mm. That was the biggest um, cause of problems entering the schools. There were a number of children who had gone to school for two or three years who had learning difficulties or more just as commonly were gifted children, and I mean gifted by professional assessment, not by mum or dad saying, oh, they're just a fantastic child. Mm -hmm. They had been promoted up through the system so that they attended year four or six classes when they were in grade two. Mm -hmm. That caused disjunction with the older group of students who felt challenged by having a younger student in the classroom. And then when they went back to their same age group, those children felt threatened because they recognised that they had abilities that most of the children in the class didn't have. Mm. And this could lead to social disconnection between the, the children and they never really managed it. And it was those particular children who found it challenging to go back mm-hmm. into schools at a later stage because the problems of their being different were still there, mm-hmm. but so, they had 
have any um, support or help to sort of work out ways to, you know, bounce through it mm-hmm. more effectively. Yeah, so what would be one of the ways that you would suggest they made their transition? Probably attend part-time oh, okay. and maintain, if possible, good home education network connections. And that's not always possible, especially for young boys who've lost their, um, you know, for, for reasons of friends, their boys, their age moving away or not being homeschooled again. They can, they can lose connection with the home education group when that happens. So then you've got double trouble. Mm. Mm. All right, Glenda. Well, it's been a very interesting conversation that we've had, not nearly long enough to cover everything that we um, would like to cover but I would like you, while, while you're with me, to tell us where to go to find A-H-E-A-S. You can find that on the internet with Australian Home Education, mm-hmm. all one word, .com.au. .com.au. Okay, I'll put that as my link. So Australian Home Education. All right. And um, I actually can find if you just type in a well i suppose it's difficult to remember a h e a s but that that usually brings it up to um to your company um okay well ahas.com.au should come to the same site yeah 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 okay and so that's that's for your your families there in australia who um need help um transitioning their children in and out of school or just for burnout and really, I think a lot of the problems that you're addressing in Australia are pertinent to any problems anywhere in the world with home, with homeschoolers, you know, burnout and government restrictions and um, peer pressure and, uh, you know, or, you know what, to, what to do with your children when you're putting them back into school or when you're pulling them out of school for the first time. So, Glenda, thank you so much for joining me um, this morning. I've been talking to Dr. Glenda Jackson, who gave us a fascinating account of the research she's been doing on the homeschooling experience of students and the effects on their parents and their educators when they move between home and school. Despite despite the fact that um, her work is carried out in Australia, I'm sure that most of what she has discovered is relevant to homeschoolers all around the world as they move from school to home and vice versa. Glenda Jackson has a comprehensive experience in education. She homeschooled her four children, completed a PhD at Monash University on Australian home education, and has been involved in teacher education programs, reviewed current educational theories, and assessed teacher practices. Uh, Dr. Jackson is educational consultant and founder of Australian Home Education Advisory Service, an online supporter of home educators. And um, Glenda, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me this morning. You have a wonderful weekend and I wish you every success in the work that you do for the homeschooling community in Australia. Thank you. Bye. Bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Girlfriend It is on Togginet. 
Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts, Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The girlfriend at Principal was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out Girlfriended.com and then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have mm-hmm. somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, Girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. The weekend we went to visit my teacher daughter in Corpus was a good one. We stayed four days and she was so happy to put us up. She told us she and her siblings had always talked about living in their own place and having mum and dad to stay, and here she was, the first to do it. She'd cleaned her efficiency and done the laundry, hung pictures and paintings on the wall and made it look comfortable and homey. The rabbit thumper was in her cage over by the front door. All was well. The first evening we took her out to dinner. There was no food in the flat and H-E-B was just across the road. She surprised us by splitting fish with me and eating shrimp quesadillas. This was a strict PB&J girl with pancakes on the side. It was 11.30 at night when the car, our new Rosabella Cruiser, started dinging and the engine cut out. My Texan coasted off the motorway into the parking lot of a Burger King and my daughter called AAA. She and I got a ride back to her flat from some friends of hers to save us a taxi fare and we waited for our cowboy to get home. The following morning, being a Saturday, we were lucky to find a garage that would pick up the car and look at it. We were called and told that we'd thrown the timing belt. Parts for the repair could not be had till Monday, and it wouldn't be ready until Tuesday. Thank goodness our daughter had a reliable car and her workplace wasn't far away. We did lots of things while we were there, filling her weekend and wearing her out. The population in Corpus is only 308,000, and we really enjoyed ourselves. We toured the USS Lexicon and found out these facts about the massive aircraft carrier. The flight deck is more than two acres. Three football games can be played at the same time on it if anyone wants to organise the event. Fourteen basketball games can be played simultaneously also which means perhaps a football game and eight or nine basketball games can go on if you really want to get complicated. She carries enough fuel to drive your car around the world 132 times and for her to sail non-stop for 30,000 miles. She steamed a total of 209,000 miles, equivalent to eight times around the world. The Lexington can sleep more than the largest hotel in the world, about 3,500 folk and has more telephones than a city of 5,000. Our daughter took us for a driving tour of her college campus, and we also visited the school she works at and met all her babies, whom she loves and who love her. 
We bought her enough groceries to keep her going for a long time. That's what parents are for. And a desk for her computer and internet for her classes. And her dad spent a morning working on her car, polishing it, replacing hoses, her bumper and a wheel hub. I detailed the inside and helped glue the headlining onto her sunroof so she can now use it in the fall and spring. We had a Mac Mini picnic in the water gardens, which were deserted and quiet and beautiful and humid. We ate at a beachside restaurant and saw the brightly coloured Harbour Bridge with its sophisticated LED lighting system that was unveiled on December the 4th, 2011. It was beautiful. <clears throat> we walked along the promenade and took photos of the marina and went to a Catholic church that was huge and tastefully decorated and oozed wealth. I spent my last morning cleaning up after us and doing laundry at the complex laundromat across the parking lot, and I gathered free newspapers to line the rabbit cage and found out that Thumper likes to play hide-and-seek chase when I let her out. Only she cheats and hops under hard-to-reach places and then makes fake runs at me to scare me off. She likes to move the interior of her cage around. She's picky about where her food bowl goes and drags it to the other side of the cage, and she shreds paper she doesn't want at one end of her cage so that she can lie on bare boards. My daughter was paranoid about the air conditioning coming on too much, and why? Well, because she now has to pay the bill. I laughed at her because now she knows how I felt all these years of trying to keep our electric bill at a reasonable level. It was sad leaving, shades of our youngest going back to Lee after a brief stay with us, but at least she can now call us and Skype whenever she's free since we're now on the same time. Our journey home to Dallas was uneventful, thank goodness, but within days of our return, our car started overheating. Our favourite mechanic took it in to look at it and found a loose wire. Phew. He didn't charge us for the repair. And I got a walk to the garage when we went to pick it up. Luckily, it was cloudy and the meander through the neighbourhood was quite pleasant. Hopefully, that's it for Rosabella for now. The following weekend, we went to visit my mother-in-law in Lindale, which just happens to be the home of Toginet Radio. So we were able to catch up with some friends from the station. I walked three times over that weekend for an hour a time. I didn't take any walking shoes with me, though, just flip-flops. So after the second day, I had a few blisters that I could no longer ignore, so I had to borrow a pair of socks and tennies to venture out again. A cool front had hit, and first thing in the morning presented too good an opportunity to pass up for this die-hard walker. The three lakes at Hideaway are beautiful and tranquil, and the roads were deserted, so I was able to ramble around and take some photos and enjoy my walk. But my body grumbled a bit at not having walked for three or four weeks, so my back was aching and my legs were aching. On my last walk, I was crossing a bridge over the lake and saw quite a large turtle, apparently stranded. At first, I thought it was dead, and since my dancer daughter collects and posts dead animal photos, I took a picture and its head peeked out at me. I picked it up, and after testing the wire bordering the steep bank down to the lake shore to make sure it wasn't electric, in fact, my zookeeper son asked me how I tested it. I know, silly me, I touched it. Anyway, I ducked beneath it and made my way quite a distance down to the water through grass and rocks hoping I wasn't going to happen upon a snake or snakes, which I didn't. I set the turtle down and going, made my way back, and halfway up the slope, I noticed a man watching me. Now how was I going to be able to clamber back onto the bridge without making a fool of myself? Typical. I managed it anyway, thank goodness for yoga and strong legs, and he said, you have to be quite agile to do what you just did, and then say goodbye, have a nice walk. 
Later on in the day, we did find a dead snake on the road and stopped the car to get a photo. It was grossly great. I also got one of a dead armadillo. When I got close enough to snap it, I realised it was smelling pretty rank. <clears throat> Hoped it didn't bat an eyelid at me while I was taking the picture too. Hmm. Okay, periwinkle twinkle toes, I'm all caught up on my news for this week, so I'm going to read you a special book. This book is an all-time favourite and was packed away some years ago when Paris first went on the Mercy ships and we were getting rid of all the children's books from their rooms. As we were moving to London, I found it in a tub of books and put it on the library shelf in the house. My blue-eyed cowboy didn't know this, so when she asked him to bring it to Corpus, describing exactly where it was located up in the heat-stroke-causing attic... My cowboy decided to go online and buy a copy to save risking his life. Of course, after our trip to visit our daughter, I found it on the shelf. And so, as promised, I'm going to read it. So listen up, Winks. Here's your recording of your favourite book. It won't be the first time it's been recorded for you. Remember all those birthday tapes? So, are you sitting comfortably? Then let's begin. Are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. Silly Tilly Witch, written by Jennifer Jordan, illustrated by Ken Morton. Tilly Witch was very cross. There was a big hole in her roof. Whenever it rained, water dripped through all day and all night. Drip, 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 she said. I'm tired of getting wet. So she wore her big black hat to keep dry. She wore it in the bath. She wore it in bed. She never, ever took it off. I must find my book of spells, Tilly said one day. Then I can magic a new dry roof. She looked under the bed and under the cat. She looked inside her cooking pot and inside her boots. She shook her broomstick and her thick socks, but she could not find her book of spells. Tilly climbed onto the roof and sat down. I cannot mend this big hole, she said. I'll try to think of some magic. She sat very still and said a magic spell. Pink jumping frogs, a blue spotty mouse. Please magic a roof for my little house. House little my for roof a magic please. Mouse spotty blue a frogs jumping pink. Then she waited for the spell to work. Suddenly the roof began to rock from side to side. Tilly almost fell off. Then it rose up into the air and began to fly. It flew faster and faster. Tilly held on to the chimney pot. Oh, I think that was the wrong spell, she said. I am a silly witch. Salty Seagull and some of her friends flew by. They were flying home to the sea. Our wings are very tired, said Salty. We've been flying for a long time. Then sit on my roof for a rest, said Tilly. They all held on tight as the roof flew on. Sam and Sally Squirrel ran to the top of a very big hill. They saw the roof flying by and waved their arms. Our legs are tired, they said. We've been running for a long time. They jumped onto the roof and sat down for a rest. Hold on tight, said Tilly, as they flew through the sky. Then they saw Mrs. Robin. Her five babies were flying with her, but they were tired too. Our wings are so small, said the baby birds. We cannot fly very well. Then come for a ride on my roof, said Tilly. We can fly very fast. 
There was no more room on the roof as it flew along. Katie Kitten was sitting on the top of the clock tower. She saw the flying roof go by. Help, she said, I'm stuck. I cannot get down. Tilly picked up the kitten and went to put her on the roof. But there was no more room to sit down. Katie can sit in my pocket, said Tilly. Now hold on tight. Then the big clock began to chime. Bong! 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 It's four o'clock, said Tilly. I must get home soon. My house has no roof. But you're a witch, said Sally Squirrel. You can magic a new roof. I wish I could, said Tilly, but I've lost my book of spells. Suddenly the roof began to wobble. The magic has gone, said Tilly. We're going to fall off. The roof crashed into a big soft pile of straw. Everyone fell off. Then the roof rose into the air and flew out of sight. Oh dear, said Tilly. Now I have no roof at all. What am I going to do? We can help, said Mrs. Robin. All of Tilly's friends took big piles of straw to Tilly's house. Then the birds began to weave it. This is how we make our nests, they said, and our nests are warm and dry. They made a warm, dry roof for Tilly's house. Thank you, said Tilly. How clever. Tilly's friends stayed for tea. It was getting dark when they went home. Tilly felt very tired, so she got ready for bed. The new roof had no holes in it. I will stay warm and dry all night, she said. At last I can take off my big black hat. She hung her hat on the door, but as she brushed her hair, she began to smile. On top of her head was the lost book of spells. It was under my hat all the time, she said. Oh, I am a silly tilly witch. Then she put the book under her pillow and fell fast asleep. Doop, doop, doop. And my time with you is up. I'm off to the zoo to watch the famous bird show my son's been telling me about. He's a little bit biased since his girlfriend runs it, but I've heard it's wonderful. Then we have a dessert party tonight. Desserts are always good. I'll be continuing the big clean-up in our house in preparation for putting it on the market. I hope you've enjoyed my show today. I'll be here same time, same place next week on Toginet Radio. And without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children, who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Toginet Radio, my guest, Dr. Glenda Jackson, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindale, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, Pam, Charlotte, and many others who are part of my growing audience. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Do, 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 do. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who are willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So, we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.